these mics are so good. I just want to breathe in them. It's like an ASMR. Oh. Oh. So you have an ASMR. I mean, no, you don't have an ASMR channel. The Unplugged channel. What's the new Unplugged thing that you're doing? Right. So um, I've noticed that, you know, all the travel content, the adventure content that I make is is great and people love it and I love it. But I've realized that whenever I post stuff that's a bit more about life, navigating some of life's big questions, people just really relate to it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I thought that I'd love to create a new YouTube channel which has content that's less about travel and the kind of lifestyle and more about that. So navigating life, basically. You know, where I'll make videos that talk about some of the things that we might find taboo or controversial um, or difficult and hopefully guide people a little bit. So for example, um, I don't want to have kids and I've never wanted to have kids. And that's something that I really struggled with throughout my life because it's something that nobody ever really understood. And a lot of people didn't take me seriously. And I felt like I was the only person in the entire world that felt that way. Turns out I'm not the only one. So I want to be making videos for people who um, may struggle with some of their choices. Like the first video on the channel will be about being child free, why it's not such a weird um, or unusual thing. Um, it'll be about, you know, things like why I'm boycotting the makeup industry, um, you know, why the four walls that we live in are killing us. All these kinds of tricky subjects that we don't talk about very often. I love that. I mean, there's not enough attention paid on those type of issues and kind of navigating the complexities, totally. right? So asking the question and then entertaining some different resolution versus what the national media is telling you or mm -hmm. what the Kim Kardashian is telling you, right? Exactly. We're taking our cues from the wrong people, I think. Yeah. And that sounds very interesting. Yeah. I mean, the whole goal is to just help people feel less alone, you know, like there is a community out there for everyone. And so that's the goal of the channel. I love it. And it comes out, this is going to be on your uh, YouTube, but a different channel. That's it. Completely different channel. Yeah. So I'm just giving myself a lot of extra work. <laughs> yes. It sounds like it. Cause I know it's, it's, well, I know it's taxing already as somebody who, who does this. I see when I see you and I have the context of understanding how, how much hard work it takes to do that. I'm thinking, how can this woman live any of this, if she's spending a lot of time, you know, doing the video component of, which is a mm. lot of work. How do you balance that? How, do, how, how have you figured to navigate that? Yeah, I think it's very, very common for people to kind of watch YouTube videos and see creators living great lives. Um, and it all looks so easy and effortless, but it's not. There's so much work that goes into everything, you know, filming for YouTube, um, filming and taking pictures for Instagram, for TikTok, for Facebook, um, Instagram stories, you know, um, editing, answering business emails, figuring out partnerships, finding your way, planning your route, planning your life. Like, where are you gonna stay? Are you gonna stay at a campsite, in a hotel? you know, having space for hobbies or like even basic things like exercise. Yeah. <laughs> it's a 24 seven job for sure. So it's, it's not easy. And I don't think I quite realized that it would be so crazy when I first got into it. Um, but you know, it's something that if you do it and if you continue doing it past that initial shock stage, mm -hmm. 
then you just love it. It becomes your life. Um, so this is my life. I love it. I am so thankful that I get to live so freely. So, okay. It's a lot of work, but you know, I, I can do whatever I want at the end of the day. Mm. Uh, what I'm, I'm curious, uh, just the, these are personal cur- curiosities, which I think the audience might be curious to as well. Like why, why are you doing this? Like, what is the reason I, I'm interested in, in like what drives you because mm. you know, you, you have had an amazing life doing the travel and everything else. But what is it that gets you up every morning and allows you to do this? I feel alive. Mm. It's as simple as that. So before I started doing YouTube uh, four and a half years ago, I had a very different life. So, you know, I kind of went to university, did like the traditional kind of conventional route. I call it like the highway of life where you just kind of go from you know school to college to a job in the city. You do all the things that everyone else does. And so, you know, I got a great job at a startup in London. I was making good money working as a manager, you know, going out to nice restaurants, hanging out with friends, living in the city. I was married. Um, And it was all kind of like my path to success was in my mind at the time, like, okay, we'll get the next promotion, you know, get the next raise, um, you know, get an apartment, like the marriage thing, you know, all these things. Uh, but eventually I kind of, I realized, I started realizing that, okay, I'm doing, I'm going through all these motions, but what am I getting out of it? I'm like, I feel so empty. It's like, am I doing something I actually want to be doing? Or am I doing this because it's someone else's dream for me? Maybe it's my family's dream for me, you know, to have this kind of stable conventional life. So the moment I realized that I started questioning more and more and came to the point where I was like, well, (laughs) knowing that I am unhappy in this life and that I don't want the conventional path, I can no longer turn a blind eye to it. Either, okay, either either I'll be always aware that this is not the life I want to live, but I'll continue living it because I'm too scared to change it, or I'll change it and live the life that I actually want to live. So I knew that I wanted to have my own business. I wanted to do something creative and I wanted to feel free. (laughs) Travel, maybe that's one way to feel free. So I quit everything, um, left my relationship, which was, you know, which I wasn't happy in, left my job, left my apartment, called my family. And I was like, hey, I'm going traveling for um, X amount of time. And they're like, you've gone mad. (laughs) They really thought I had gone mad. And um, and I just decided to launch a YouTube channel and start traveling and see how it goes. Um, And that's why I'm here today. (laughs) Well, why do you think so that that sounds compelling? And when people hear that, even in my own world, I've, I've done that. Like I've mm-hmm. detached, in my case, the government and the military mm-hmm. and felt free living my own journey with my own company and stuff. And when I hear that, it's compelling. And when people hear that, it's inspiring. But most people don't do it. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people are tethered to this umbilical cord that is the constraints that society has outlined for them and they're following the stereotypical path feeling like they're in prison, mm-hmm. having midlife crises, yeah. maybe even riding the wave to the end mm. and then regretting everything they've done. Why do you think that is? Right. Well, I guess, you know, there are people out there who, who do find happiness in the more conventional path. And that's awesome. You know, that's great. Um, but I think for me, it's about figuring out what it is that you actually want really and deeply. You know, um, the most difficult part is just asking those initial questions. 
Because once you start asking yourself the hard questions, you run the risk of realizing that you need to change something. And that's really tough because, you know. Confrontational. Oh, yeah. Vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And you might have a lot to lose, a lot to gain potentially, but a lot to lose. You know, I was lucky in the sense that I was a 20 something year old. I had some strings attached, but not too many. You know, I didn't have kids and have like a mortgage or anything. Um, But once you get to that stage, it becomes a lot more complex. So I think that it's really important to ask yourself those questions as early as possible. Um, you know, in your twenties before you do all this stuff and you can still change your life after. It's just, it becomes a little bit more complex. Um, but I think it's a, it's a scary life. Honestly, like freedom has its price as much as I love, you know, traveling the world and doing my thing and being free. It's horribly unstable. You know, um, I, at the end of the day, I'm a freelancer. I'm at the mercy of, of YouTube views and partnerships. Um, it's, I don't get like a stable paycheck, you know, I don't get a pension from this. I don't know where I'm going to go next. You know, um, there's no guarantees of anything. And of course it gets lonely as well. Um, because you know, I'm out there like on the edge of the world doing my thing. And sometimes it's overwhelming. I read shitty comments on YouTube. I like, I can't reach out to my friends. I'm all alone. The weather is horrible. And it's just, sometimes I just sit there and cry in my truck. Cause I'm like, I'm supposed to have a perfect life. It looks perfect, but it's not. Interesting. <laughs> it's just a life, right? It's, yeah. Um, so it's not always easy and it's not picture perfect. It's just a real life. I, I, I appreciate your vulnerability too. I think that's, you know, when you look at, I don't know, I hate saying the word influencers because some Ugh. people think I'm a, oh, Mike's an influencer. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> I hate that word too. Yeah, it's like, oh, Mike, aren't you that influencer? I'm like, I'm oh. actually I'm a human being. Um, <laughs> but uh, your vulnerability is what makes this journey for many people, I think, who tune into you very beautiful and very attractive and people get inspired by it. You you started this and I was going to ask you, you, you answered one of the questions, which uh, were you lonely? And mm-hmm. the, the other question I was going to ask you is what scares you? Cause when you, when you, when you create the perception and, and you're very different in many ways, because you're not creating an image that's perfect. Um, when you do that and you're super vulnerable at the end of the day, like what does scare you? Do, do you think you're going to be on this journey forever? Do you miss that stability? And, and what is the end? Like, I mean, I hate to say end. What is the next evolution of this process? Right. Oh, wow. That's a very loaded set of questions. Yep. Um, (laughs) To put it simply, um, in terms of sort of fear, fear I think is something that really drives me in, in a lot of this. I don't think I'm scared of like the things that you might typically think I would be scared of. Like, I'm not really scared of people. I'm not really scared of like wild animals. You know, I did have one run in with a very dangerous cow last year that tried to kill <laughs> Mad me. Cows. Mad cows. <laughs> Literally the scariest thing that ever happened to me. Um, not really scared of like the, the things that are so, like the cliche things. I think the things I'm scared of, uh, like I'm scared of not being able to manage my fear. I'm scared of, you know, being in such a state of overwhelm, for example, from all the work and all the pressure that I might just like cave in. And I've had that happen a couple of times where, you know, like I just become so stressed out and vulnerable that I just have to take time off because I can't manage and, and nothing makes sense anymore. You know, none of this makes sense anymore. 
So that's probably my biggest fear is just it's kind of myself. Your honesty is super awesome. Um, Nothing to hide. <laughs> it's all out there anyway. <laughs> well, it is, but it's like, I don't know. I think that inspires people to kind of be in their own way, vulnerable and honest, which most people aren't. They're right. faking life. Mm. And I, I think um, it, it encourages people to be courageous. And you can't be perfect in this. And you have your own set of agendas. But if you're philanthropic, which I think you are, the things that you're doing are inspiring people to be honest and about okay. their, their own situation. Even the guessing and the, the show about questioning it potentially everything is like, why would you not do that? Because the conforming tactics for most people is making people complacent mm -hmm. and then they're living lives they don't want to live, which is sad. Totally. You know. So there's a, there's a quote that I have as my phone wallpaper. It's like one of my favorite quotes, um, which kind of speaks to that difficulty of, you know, the, the free path. So it's by Albert um, Camus, who's a, was a French philosopher. And it goes like this, um, the only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence is an act of rebellion. I love that. <laughs> the existence, the rebellious existence. Yeah, totally. That's the name of your first book. You put that, put <laughs> that as a title. I just titled your first book, whatever. <laughs> um, that's yeah. very beautiful. I, I, and I, is there a define? Is there a moment <laughs> where this shifted for you? It was it because it often, and you you understand this. Often, these turning points or tipping points in mm -hmm. life are defined by traumatic moments yeah. that change us. Was it that? Yeah, um, yeah. It was. It was all all the drama and all the fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess I mean it kind of started slow. So you know there comes a point in your life where you might be like, you, you start to ask the initial questions. You're like, hmm, is, am I happy? Like, am I finding joy in this? And then you're like wait, did I make the wrong choice? Hmm. Can I undo this in any way? Can I change this? So it's like the questions kind of add up and they added up for me as well. It was like one after the other. And eventually I got to a point where I just felt like, okay, well, I'm here. I'm unhappy. I don't know how to undo this because it's so much undoing to do. And what would I do next? So at that point, I mean, I, I remember just like crumbling. I had like the, I went through a very dark period about six months living in London where like, you know, my relationship was over already. I was already kind of thinking about doing something else, but I was just so lost because I didn't know what, and I didn't know how to be happy. You know, like there's nobody gives you the recipe for happiness. They're like, yeah, you can buy a nice pair of Prada heels or a Louis Vuitton bag. It's like, no, clearly that is not the recipe to happiness. So I went through a time that was like definitely the darkest time of my life. Um, you know, like really, uh, six months of like very dark, deep depression, mm, suicide attempts, self-harm, like uh, a lot of drinking, drugs, mm, very, very painful period. And in a way, I'm grateful for that because it's only when you're at the very bottom of a, the deepest pit that you can imagine for yourself, like there is no other way to go than up. Yes. <laughs> And so I came to a point where I just realized, well, I have nothing to lose. So I'll just go and take a risk and go travel and make videos. 
with no prior experience of video of filmmaking or YouTube or anything like that. But I just had nothing to lose. So I tried it and it turned out to be the best decision of my life. Isn't, isn't, that, a, isn't that the most amazing thing though about life? I mean, I, I think about it even in the primal state of, of fear. There's a, there's a mechanism, you might be interested in this, there's a mechanism in people that's the same mechanism in the animal kingdom. And have you ever seen like a cheetah that would chase its prey? There's a sympathetic response that's fight, flight or freeze that we're familiar with. But there's another phase of fainting or quitting. And it's, called the, it's typically called the faint response. And we recognize it in the animal kingdom because the cheetah is chasing the prey. And it could be a gazelle. Mm -hmm. And the gazelle, when it knows it can't outmaneuver and it can't get away, as a last ditch resort, it stops and it faints and it pretends like it's dead. And the reason it does that is it, in the primal world, a predator is likely, this is biologist, likely not to eat that prey because it's sick or it's tainted. Right. But the, the neurological mechanism has to do with a shift from an elevated performance state, uh, fight, flight, or freeze, to a parasympathetic state where you, you pile on yourself into a pile of nothing and you quit. <laughs> and you don't respond. And then in life, I mean, this is a, an analogy, but it could be literally you quit and you have nothing left. You're crying in the shower, you're in tears, you're depressed. Mm -hmm. Cause I've been there. I have been there. And it's, it's crazy. Cause my shift was starting my company with the energy that I was able to pick myself up to my knee, to my hands, to my feet. Right. And that's, where you see profound growth and strength in humans because you're literally creating a resilience. Yeah. And you come back stronger, you come back more prepared mm -hmm. and you do amazing things. And, and literally, I think likely you could look at historical references of this and find the most profound innovation in, in as we understand it in our societies from human beings based on that trauma, based on that low yeah. and rising up from above. I'm proud of you. It seems like it's working. <laughs> like it yeah, I'm, I'm not complaining. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's a beautiful experience. Um, it's not forever. Um, nothing is. But, um, you know, I think what this has all really taught me is to just find joy in the present, in the now, to, you know, seek that experience of feeling alive because I know... I know what it feels like to feel like you just, you want to quit and you don't want to be here anymore. And that's a terrible feeling. Um, but life is so beautiful. There's so much to be, to enjoy and to be thankful for. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, as, as horrible as that was, I'm happy that it happened because I can appreciate it all the more. And I'd say, you know, like appreciating the little things in life and just life itself, you know, feeling alive is, is the most precious thing you can do. Yeah. That perspective is a gift, yeah. even though you had to be at the bottom to get it. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this before we move on to your travel. Um, what now makes you happy? Is it moments? Is it, you know, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Just being able to like pause and look at a tree and leaves and feel like the breeze on your skin. Um, I love running. So I do like long distance running. So just every time I'm running, I'm ecstatic. Mm. <laughs> my dog that I got recently makes me so happy when he like cuddles up to me in the morning and he's so fluffy and sweet mm. and he smells divine. Um, 
Yeah, that's what makes me happy. I mean, the YouTube stuff is amazing. It's great. I, I love the fact that it gives me the life that I can live now. Um, but, you know, the fact that I have X many subscribers or fans, that in itself does not make me happy. It's really what that enables in my everyday life. Um, that Yeah. I love that. Um, <laughs> okay, so you, you launched this world of traveling and documenting your experiences, and it is year four? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's correct. That's a long time. You're five now. Yeah. Going on five? Yeah, going on five. Wow. <laughs> um, that's a long time. Yeah, but, it, you know, it goes by like a breeze. And when I started, I knew nothing. You know, it was really like a cold turkey going from an office job to, like, doing all the stuff myself. You know, I started kind of learning from YouTube University, really, about, like, how to film stuff, how to edit stuff. And I remember there was like a point at the beginning where I was like, I was looking at travel content on YouTube and it all looked so polished and so professional, you know, like all the crazy transitions, you know, do you remember those transitions? Oh, yeah. Like with the, like the wave turns into a mountain and turns into crazy. like a fish. And <laughs> yeah, you're like, what is happening? Now? I was like, do I, is that what I have to do to be like successful on YouTube? <laughs> transitions, like how to make transitions. Oh, I was like, I'm not gonna learn that stuff. I'm just gonna like tell my story and not have to worry too much about like the fancy side effects, you know, um, the effects. So that's kind of what I did. I just filmed things simply and to the capacity that I could film them. And that's kind of become my style as well. It's just not, it's nothing fancy. It's, it's kind of like, it's a bit poetic it's a bit romantic and it's a bit lovely and it's a bit random sometimes, but it's not fancy. Um, I love it. It's perfect. Oh, um, I like it that way too. <laughs> I, I started following you when you were in Mongolia and doing some stuff. And um, st it's weird because I, I'm very, it's weird saying this. It sounds egotistical. I'm like very particular about my YouTube influencers. <laughs> but it, it's like, influencers, that word. Yeah. <laughs> Take it's it like, out. I don't like the influencership. I like people who are, and you could tell, if you, especially on the back end, if you do the editing and stuff, you could tell who's organic and mm. who's doing it with a crew and a production. Yeah. I like just the people who are living the life. And time tells that story because a lot of people go, oh, I'm an overlander. And they go out and they go for a day and camp. Yeah. Well, that's a thing. But yeah. don't pretend like you live off grid in your yeah. van forever because yeah. you go to the hotel or whatever. Yeah. But your big thing was um, travel. Mm -hmm. And then now it's a journey into solo travel because you've always done it solo. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, most of the time traveling alone, sometimes with guides, you know, um, sometimes with friends, but the, the whole principle when I launched my YouTube channel at the beginning was to show that women can travel solo in adventurous ways. So I remember kind of like watching YouTube content around that time, just before I launched. And I was like, um, there's nobody on in like travel YouTube, like women that I can relate to. Um, I mean, the whole travel kind of niche on YouTube was really all about luxury at that time. Yeah. It was like the, you know, the waterfalls in Bali and the like five star results, results in the jungle and, you know, and a lot of bikinis and like kind of like lifestyle slash fashion slash beauty travel. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I don't, that's not what I want to do. Like, I want to see a badass chick doing badass stuff. You know, and I couldn't find that. Mm, so I was like, well, I'm just going to go and do it myself. It's <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> it's like, if it's not there, I'm going to make it. <laughs> so that was really like the founding principle was to just go out there and have adventures and show that 
you know, anyone can do it, basically. Um, and it has evolved a little bit, but really, I mean, it's just evolved from like being strictly about travel to just being more about my own personal journey, because I realized a little while ago that as much as, you know, I can share the stories of other people that I meet along my travels to a degree, I cannot actually tell their story. The only story that I can tell is my own. And that may sound like narcissistic to some people. It's not about narcissism. It's about that personal perspective, your own growth. Like I cannot follow someone for years and see everything that happens in their mind, but I can do that for myself and I can be the experimental bunny and I can show that and share that. And I can share with the world how a person can change and evolve. And I think, um, yeah, that's something that I do get a lot as feedback is like, oh, I've really enjoyed seeing you change. <laughs> is that a compliment? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. It's better than regress. I, yeah. I've enjoyed seeing you regress over the years. Like what? Um, totally. It, you, you have doing this solo travel and you're actually doing it now in America in your Defender mm-hmm. 110. Mm-hmm. Um, how did the concept for that start? Because you've been doing world travel. Actually, before we get to that, because I'm interested in the world travel perspective. As I was looking at some of the places that you travel to, I noticed that they're the same places I've traveled to, which are because they're the worst places on the planet Earth. (laughs) Um, Maybe the best in some ways. Some ways they are. And and I think we could talk about that perspective. But Yemen, Pakistan, Iraq, Afghanistan, you've been to the same places I've been to and we've had different journeys. Mm -hmm. Why those particular countries? Because you Mm -hmm. had the ability to go anywhere where you like... What's the most dangerous place I can go to? That's where I'm going. You know what? That's a question that I get asked a lot on like at border crossings. Like, <laughs> like the last time I tried to go into the US and I got detained for a few hours because they're like, oh, wait, what are these stamps? <laughs> Why did you go to these places? Um, I go to those places because um, I know that what we hear in mainstream media, like in the news, is not the whole story. And I'm always keen to meet people from those places and hear their perspective, show the places that they live in, show their culture, you know, talk to them. And we don't really get a chance to do that very often in the world that we live in. So I wanted to bring that perspective, you know, like, okay, you may know this and this and that about Afghanistan. Yes, there's a war. Yes, there's a Taliban. Yes, it's terrible. But it's not, that's not the entire story. There's different stories. Like, you know, when I went to Afghanistan, I went skiing with <laughs> it's so funny just to see here yeah. that sale out loud yeah with a ski club did and you actually use skis yeah totally yeah. you know we had like gray skis we put them on we went up the mountain we had to walk because there's no um lifts oh. um so we <laughs> it was like you know we went up um there's a there's a girl that i met who was my guide um she's one of the best skiers in afghanistan we are still friends i'd say like sisters really um And, you know, so I went skiing in Afghanistan and then stayed in a village in the mountains and all these beautiful, beautiful places that I've been to that I just never thought existed. So I just find it nice to show that extra story and share that. It's so fascinating because I, and and I'll put it out here because maybe we could do it together one time. We can go to Libya because I lived in Libya for a year. Oh, wow. And people would be like, Mike, you're crazy. And I'm like, I live in Tripoli. Like it's, it's actually really cool. Like I eat at the sandwich shop and I have (laughs) coffee every morning and I watch the Mediterranean and it's beautiful. I even looked at property there. I was going to buy a beach house. That's adventurous. Yes. It was like, I was like uh, at that point in my life, kind of like your journey, I was like, I don't need anything. I'll buy a house in Libya to start a new life. Right. And, uh, was super rebellious, but I was like, it's, 
it's life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize a lot of the things that are amplified, there's, there's agendas, there's reasons why mm-hmm. those things are amplified. And my, my, my big, uh, my big statement about this is like, if all your problems go away, when you put down your cell phone, well, then you have your answer. Mm-hmm. That's the answer right there. That's Keep it. it down. And, um, I, I find that fascinating that you've traveled these places that seemingly people think are the most disastrous, dangerous places. Mm-hmm. And they sometimes um, have the most beautiful stories. What's mm-hmm. your favorite country that you visited and why? Oh, no pressure. <laughs> I'd say there's probably two. Okay. No, now three. Okay, there's three. Let's okay, go. so, um, okay, I'll start with like the obvious one the US. Yes. And really? Yeah. That's on the list. I, Honestly, it's just, it's, it's like a whole world in one country. And there's a lot of troubled history here, of course, but it's just so damn beautiful and grand and vast. And yeah, I just, it's, it's beautiful. Like visually speaking, it's probably my favorite country in the world. Apart from. I'm right here. You don't have to, you don't have to (laughs) give me compliments like that. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's amazing. I was like, I was shocked. Um, and, but then we've got, I would say Pakistan and Mongolia. Those are my other two. Ooh. Yeah. Mongolia, because every time I go there and I've been three times, um, the moment I land and I get out into the nature, out into the step, I feel completely free. It gives you that sense of, whoa, space. You're very small yeah. and the step is very big. Huge. And the sky just looks so much bigger in Mongolia. Like, and the history of Genghis Khan and, you know, all that, you just, you know, it. and the horses it's just, there's nothing like it. Um, and then Pakistan, because I spent a year living in Pakistan, making videos about Pakistan and that country is beautiful because also, you know, very misunderstood. Um, but it, just so happens to have some of the most diverse cultures. It does. Yeah. Good food too. So great. And you know, you go from like the South and you've got like the Arabian Sea and the desert and, and beautiful cliffs and mountains and all very dry. And you kind of go up North and, you know, in the very North, you've got some of the tallest mountains in the world, massive, giant, jagged peaks, you know, valleys, never ending. It's just, it's gorgeous. Um, and loads of, yeah, just, kind, really, really kind people who, you know, mm, very welcoming, very hospitable. So those three, US, Mongolia, Pakistan, weird mix. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I, I almost, I was about to do a, uh, I got asked by Surfer Magazine to, to help assist them do an article on a Pakistani surfing female. Oh, so cool. All, and they were going to do, they were going to do it in the South. Uh-huh. And then they were going to, because it borders with Iran, we were going to do an Iranian oh, surfer amazing. and they were going to swim and surf together. Wow. And it's like, what? And and you think about that. It's like, that's so beautiful. It is. It's so amazing. And these are the stories that we never hear. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, that's what you're for, which I think is really cool. <laughs> um, so one of the things that we had talked about in preparedness is um, how do you stay prepared? You're an attractive woman who is doing solo travel. <laughs> <laughs> Semi-attractive? Give me more. Give regress, more. Yeah, regress. All of it. <laughs> um, so you're an attractive woman who, who does a lot of solo travel. And I think, man, if you were my spouse, if you were my sister, if you were my daughter, I would be very anxious about that. And you have to do certain things that are going to allow you to be super um, secure. And you, you talked to me about some things and I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like, 
that's all you do? I mean, you don't have a shotgun or something? Um, <laughs> so you don't have anything, but you, you use sound tactics tied to common sense and logic. Can you explain mm-hmm. some of those things that you do? Yeah. People do seem to assume sometimes that I have a crew that travels with me that like watches my every step and takes care of me. That is not true. (laughs) Back up, guys. You're on camera. Back up, guys. (laughs) And it's like, I mean, I guess, you know, for some people it is unthinkable, but it's it is what it is. You know, I'm here to break that mold and kind of show that there is uh, there is an alternative way of doing things and traveling. Um, but basically, you know, the way that I go about these things is I don't do anything traveling that I wouldn't do back home. Mm. So say if I'm living in London or New York, you know, I wouldn't just like go out drinking with people I don't know. I wouldn't, you know, roam a neighborhood that I don't know after dark. Like I would just take these basic precautions with me everywhere I go. So I'm always quite careful. But, you know, I do take some extra things like, but again, it's something you do back home, like sharing your location with a close friend or your, or your family, you know, when you're in an Uber, same applies to me. If I'm like wild camping somewhere, I would send my location to my mom. Um, the person that's in my family, that's like least likely to be extremely stressed out if they Mm. have to respond in case of an emergency. Um, so these small things and, you know, and if I go to like a very remote place that is a little bit risky. I just try and make local contacts, whether it's a guide or someone that I have been chatting to on social media that is legit, that I can kind of like cross-reference. That's kind of what I do. But, you know, anything can happen anywhere at the end of the day. Like I've, you know, in the four and a half years that I've been traveling, I've had some uh, fishy situations happen. But at the same time, when I was living in London, I remember going to the supermarket on a Saturday night and getting, you know, my butt was grabbed by, by a stranger and I couldn't react because he just ran away. And it's like, that's not pleasant. That happened in London, oh, not, wow. not in Yemen, you know? Yeah. Um, or last year when I was camping in at a beautiful campsite in the lovely and safe country of Montenegro in the Balkans in Europe, um, I got attacked by a cow and she headbutted me. I dropped to the ground. I thought she was about to kill me. I had this like headline going through my mind, like like vegetarian YouTuber gets killed by cow in a freak accident (laughs) while camping. I was like, that is not going to be me. (laughs) So I got up and started running. Anyway, um, got stitches. But getting attacked by a cow is, you know, is more likely than getting attacked by a shark or a wolf or a bear. Um, But it happens. So it's things like that that just make you realize, okay, well, some bad things could happen, but they don't have to, they don't have to, you don't have to live in fear of them happening. Yeah. And I mean, for somebody who's solo traveled for four and a half years and has been exposed to like the most dangerous situations potentially in the world and not having those encounters, Mm -hmm. that sounds like really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, like, I think there's also a very simple answer to that. Well, I mean, partial answer to that. It's, and it's really underappreciated by I think all of us. I'm really, really faithful to my intuition. And I know this may sound like all fancy schmancy and like weird and spiritual and new age, but I really think it works. You know, if I sense that I shouldn't be in a place or with people, I just make my way out of there. I leave immediately. I don't even question it because it's not worth it. You know, if I feel that this is not right, I will just not be there. I'll not stick around. And I think that's really a powerful tool as long as we learn to chew into it, 
you know, listen to our senses. Like we have evolved over hundreds of thousands of years to be in tune with our environments. There is something there, I believe. Um, so that's my superpower. Yeah, I, I think the woo-woo superpower you have is real. I mean, it's legitimate, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> it's, it's the inputs of the environment using your senses and establishing yeah. whether or not that's secure. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of people don't understand like how that vagus nerve works, that, mm. th that registration of everything in your environment is giving your body cues. And if you feel, yeah. I think women intuitively have it where they're more sensitive to the environment and listen to that intuition. Yeah. Listen to your gut. Yeah. I mean, th like the fact that that happened in London, I mean, my butt was grabbed this morning at a coffee shop by some lady. And I'm like, why Wait, would you it? do that? Was no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, why would you do that? And she said, I, I thought I saw it on YouTube. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> but my intuition was like, get away from that. Um, but I'm glad <laughs> that you say that because, yeah. you know, I think, um, yeah, a lot of people might think that it's just, it's some like magical thing that doesn't actually exist. But yeah, of all people, if you say it, then, then maybe it does. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some science behind that. And I, I it's amazing to me that the... Like I see people tune into you and you have really aggressive engagement. <laughs> like you're like smashing engagement right now on all of your channels. And I'm like, why is it so aggressive? It, to me, it's overwhelming because I know what that engagement's like on right. my scale, which is about, I would say, one tenth of your scale. And especially for a woman, that seems very intimidating because um, yeah, I would think a lot of people who, especially because... People are tethered to their phones, tethered mm. to social. They they look at that and they go, I, I have people come to me and they act like they know me. Right. Right. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that's cool. You know, we're interacting. Mm -hmm. But then they cross whatever the line is, right? right. It's like whatever that is, the boundary. Mm -hmm. And it feels very uncomfortable. And you have to be getting inundated. I mean, this has <laughs> got to be like overwhelming. How do you manage the balance of that? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse both, I think. And, um, it depends also, I think on how you, how you manage that within yourself. So mm. I've like, I've had countless, very diverse experiences over the course of the last four and a half years in terms of how the internet has responded to my content or even me personally. Um, I've, you know, that I've, had a lot of criticism for various things, some justified, some not. What? Criticism yeah. for what? Uh, all kinds of things. Like, for example, I um, there was once a campaign to cancel me. Cancel me. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I love such, that. What a so weird concept. Weird. So weird. <laughs> to cancel me for something I never did. Um, you know, like during COVID, people assumed I did something, which just was a complete lie and fabrication. And so that became quite real because in at a certain point in that cancel campaign, people started making content about me, um, spreading that lie in a way that encouraged others to take action upon that real action in real life. Um, so that's the scary part. And that's, you know, in a way it's helped me be a bit more distant, like just keep distance with all of this, you know, the views and the attention. And it's, I love the fact that I can live like this and that I can share my kind of vision for life with other people and also just live my life because that's nice. Um, but I really try and not think about the views. Like I, yeah, um, I like, 
I can't read all the comments because they really do affect me. So like I read them for the first hour after I publish a video, then I just stop. I have to Same stop. Way, yeah. yeah, because, you know, it's like the difference between um, a YouTuber or like a vlogger, influencer, you know, whatever, um, and a celebrity in the sense, you know, there's a lot of similarities in the, sa in the sense that people look at you, they, they watch your stuff, they're interested in your life, I guess. But the difference is that as a YouTuber, I don't have a PR team that can manage all this stuff for me. I don't have a bodyguard who can come and save me if something terrible happens. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Right here. Whoa. <laughs> Wait, what's your number? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the difference, you know, like um, you have to find your own ways to manage all the attention and all the energy that comes with that attention. So I just really try and like not pay too much heed to it i'm just i just do my thing you know and if it works out great <laughs> man it seems like it's working out yeah but i've had some weird encounters like i've had one person um follow me to my house uh, one time a couple of years back i've had someone knock at the door of that house a different person asking if i'm in i've had um someone follow me to my hotel room at one point so you know like Things like that have happened, um, but uh, I try not to think about them too much. Yeah, because that does sound, I mean, you're in Yemen and you're not having problems and then you're dealing with people who are engaging with you on social and yeah. it's a problem. I, I get that um, frequently and it scares me and I'm right. 6'1", 240 pounds. You're like a third of me. You're like 90 pounds, four foot tall. <laughs> I'm strong. <laughs> so strong. Well, I've got a dog now, so he can hopefully protect me in a few months. And right now he's a puppy, so. Yeah. yeah. Cute dog, though. So cute. <laughs> Thanks. Um, last question. Yeah. I'm interested, because I know you have a vision of it. Where are you in 10 years? Do I have a vision? Oh, my God. <laughs> you got it now. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's right here. It's right, right here. <laughs> um, 10 years is a long time. It is. I think the okay the, where the, do you want to be in right. 10 years i want to be a different person yeah um that's all i can think of like not a different person as in like not myself but i want to be in I wanna, a different place like i just want to evolve yeah. i want to like continue growing like if if in 10 years i'm still doing this thing that means i haven't really grown Mm. Or maybe I haven't gotten everything out of it that I could have. So I think in 10 years, I would just like to be in a very different place. Not because I don't like this place. I love this place. I just think that I don't want to become stagnant. Yeah. And I always want to explore new things. So who knows? Maybe I'll be doing homesteading or maybe mm, I'll... I do that. So you come hang out. I got a lot to teach me, I'm sure. I, I, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to, to go through with these goats and these chickens. It's Amazing. I so fun. love goats and chickens. Um, so, you know, who knows? Or maybe I'll just live out in the wilderness or maybe I'll write books or whatever. I mean, I'm just, I'm here for it, you know. I'll take it, whatever comes. <laughs> so amazing. I like how you're like fly uh, at the seat of your pants, but you understand the importance of evolving. Mm, totally. And that's, I mean, that's so uh, introspective. It's like very self-aware. And I, I, it's sad for me hearing you knowing a lot of people want to do that, but they don't have the courage. If you had to give some advice to somebody who might be on the fence, mm. what advice would you give them? No advice, just, um, you know, what are you willing to lose? Mm -hmm. What are you willing to gain? Mm. I like that. Very simple. <laughs> Scary. 
<laughs> totally. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's so terrifying. Um, um, I will make this proposal now. Um, we do a lot of seminars. Mm -hmm. And I know you're going to Alaska, which is going to be amazing. People are going to follow that. If, we'll have all the links and all the stuff for the podcast. On your way back in Utah, we do seminars and we invite people to come in and tell their story. We could park your car inside of the auditorium thing that we have. Cool. And you could, we could have a basically a speaking engagement where we communicate and people ask you questions. But I'd love to give people the opportunity to do that. So I'm just putting it on your radar. Yeah. It's just, I know your calendar's like crazy. That sounds awesome. Um, but it would be fun because then I could teach you about homesteading. We could do that survival stuff that yeah. we talked about. But you could, um, you could get a break, but actually break bread. We call it breaking bread is the community project that we do. Awesome. Where people come in and like we had rally race car drivers that I race with, uh, that are pro rally race car drivers come in. And talk with the community. It'd be fun. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'll be there. For It'd be sure. awesome. It'd be <laughs> awesome. Well, Ava, thank you so much. Um, where can people find all the stuff that you're doing? Uh, just on my channel, Ava Zubak, on YouTube, Instagram. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the Thanks, podcast. Mike. It's been awesome. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Tip of the spear